Hey, hit that subscribe button now. You're going to like it. Welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. My next guest is an eight-time world champion and the author of Gold Buckles Don't Lie. And this is the 10th year anniversary for it. Fred Whitfield, how you doing, man? I'm good, Luke. How's it going? Man, doing good. Obviously, we've talked before on the phone about my move to Texas, so I'm a full-fledged Texan now. Uh, I used to have a flag back there, but I had to put my buckles up. But, uh, man, it's been good. Uh, I wish I'd have done it 10, 15 years ago when I was rodeoing. Uh, Texas is famous for a lot of things, you know, and there's it's kind of the mecca for the rodeo world, and a lot of people live right around Stephenville, and you're there in Heiko, and uh, even Central Texas and up here where I live. And so there's been tons and tons of uh and, and to be real honest with you it's just uh you're a little bit closer to everything that pertains to rodeo well for sure but i mean more so just because of the like-minded people and uh you know california's beautiful but golly it's uh it's getting tough out there just to make a living as a rancher much less as a rodeo cowboy well in the distance you got to travel to come to the rodeos everything in the winter is here and then you travel out there for a little bit in the spring. I think Clovis was over last night, Red Bluff the week before, Oakdale, and then you come back here to Gaiman. So you and I know oh so well about the traveling and the rigorous schedule of the rodeo circuit. Um, I think I rodeoed Luke for probably 25, 26 years, you know, and had my permit uh, late 80s and uh, 90 was my rookie year. So. Uh, it's pretty easy for a guy to go 100,000 miles a year back then. You know, it's gotten a little easier now simply because of what the rodeos pay in the wintertime. And if a guy gets a jump, he can kind of dictate to where he wants to go and where he doesn't want to go. Yeah, and we were talking earlier, and you mentioned it was it has been, what, 18 years since you've won your last uh, world championship? 2005, 18 years ago. And, and you look at back then and how we're talking about traveling but how times have changed like you said prices of fuel prices of vehicles prices of horses i mean it's it's gotten crazy it really honestly has and uh i watch a little bit of rodeo still and i'm not as involved as i i used to be but i've got a couple of horses that i'm training and i've got uh let's see four schools the rest of this year i think i got one in june two in july and one in august so far so I'm involved a little bit, kind of at a distance. You know, I don't I do not do much as far as the rodeoing, and I don't compete at all anymore. But I love the fact that I've got uh, – hell, I think i got six horses out at the ranch. And, uh, you know, you notice here in my background, I'm going to tell on myself, we decided when I got done with the sport – I live in a new place. I don't live in Hockley anymore. And we bought this house uh, five years ago, and it's in Magnolia kind of a little bit west of Interstate 45 by Lake Conroe. And so I've got a trophy room, but obviously I'm not in there right now because it's a little cluttered. <laughs> well, you well you have plenty of trophies to kind of figure out where they got to go. Oh, yeah. There's, hell, I think there's 25 or six saddles in that room back there. And I've got countless number of belt buckles and stuff. And we just, we kind of took it off display. I know a lot of people don't don't like that, but... I mean, I at one time I had to get the rodeo world out of my system so I could move on to something. Well, and that's that you know for me announcing a retirement last year and still trying to stay involved, obviously with the kids and and then you know doing commentating. It's still hard to get that comp- competitive mindset 
out of your system. And I know it's been, I don't know the last time you made the finals, but I know it's been 18 years since you've won your last gold buckle. But you still have that mindset of going out and being a champion every day. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, I had to take that to my next life, you know, and uh, I, I'll be real honest with you, Luke. While I was rodeo and I was consumed with rodeo. Yeah, that's all I've done. I mean, I didn't do much outside the sport and it was almost to, you know, I, I heard a couple of people talking the other day. I mean, you're you're almost crazy. You're so consumed with it. And I mean, that's what makes you so successful is that you live, breathe and eat it every single day. And I mean, guys, would we would go to rodeos and they would load up and go play golf. Hell, I was looking for a place to practice. Right. They'd go play basketball. I remember one year at, at Fort Smith, Jeff Chapman and some guys were playing basketball. And I want to say at the time, he was probably ninth or tenth in the world. And he broke his ankle playing basketball. So I never would jeopardize what I was doing for a living to go have fun. And I mean, there was a few occasions where we'd load up and go fishing, but right. I mean, the only thing that happened with fishing is somebody could sling a hook, maybe hit you in the eye or hook you or something. But there wasn't going to be, you know, much activity for me outside of, of, of finding a place to practice. And I mean, just day in and day out, just honing my craft. And I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that was one of the reasons why I was so successful, because everything that I'd done the years that I rodeoed, it was generated towards being successful at the next rodeo. Well, and you have to, you have to have that mindset. You look at any of the past champions, the greats that consumed their life for that period of time. And that's why they were so good. You know, I, for me, especially when I was home, I was still thinking of rodeo and my family suffered for it. Oh yeah. No doubt. And anybody that's had success like you and I, there's people that suffer and it's usually the people that's closest to you. And, and, and you have, if you want to be that competitive and be that much or be that winner, you have to do that. And fortunately for me, and same for you, your family was always there supporting you, even they know, even though they knew how selfish it was. Yeah, and I'll tell you another little stat. You know, I lived over there at Hockley for almost 25 years, and I never had lights at my arena because of it. Because if I went somewhere and it didn't go good, I would come home and I'd be out there at the arena all night long. And I made my wife a deal. I said, I'll never put lights up here because that's where I spend most of my time. And so now I've got lights at the other place, but it's 11 miles from my house. So I walk out my back door here and there's a swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I very first quit and we bought this place and and I built that pool, I'm not ashamed to say I would sit out there in the evenings and I would just drink wine and just chill out. I mean, I, I didn't have anything else to do, but it took me about two and a half to three years. Like I would go to the finals, like 2013, 2014. I would sit up in the stands and I would watch and I would be pissed. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I would be, I would sit there, you know, and I was talking to somebody and somebody would screw up a good calf and I'd say, you know what, I'm stupid. I said, my ass should be down there. You know, And it, but, but the flip side of that is I was at the point where I was going to have to spend a couple hundred thousand, buy a new truck buy a better horse, buy a different trailer. And I said, you know what? And Luke, and I guess in 2014, I missed the finals by just a little bit. In 2015, we were doing something different that we were all involved in. And then 16 rolled around. And and so it's just, I'd had so much success to mediocrity didn't appeal to me very much. And so I made the decision to quit. You know, all your friends are, oh, man, you still got it when you go tie one down and make a decent run. 
but those runs were few and far yeah, between. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The guy would have a pretty big win here, and in his mind, he's thinking, yeah, and his heart's going, shit, you can still do this. Let's go. Let's give him one more chance. You know what I mean? Uh, another thing, too, that, that nobody really talks about is I've seen a lot of great cowboys hang around too long. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, a lot of great cowboys that just hung around, cling till there was absolutely nothing left to do. We would beg, borrow, and steal just to run another one. I mean, it, it comes to a point to where you got to decide, hey, there's life after the sport right. because the sport's going to continue. The sport is going to continue, whether it's Luke Branquino, Fred Whitfield, Cody Old, Joe Beaver, Roy Cooper. I mean, we could go down the list forever. And so I started looking at the realization of there's going to be opportunities outside of the sport because of what I've done exactly in the, in the business world. And I mean, I went to West Texas when I first went to work for this company that I'm working for. I mean, I got in the door of some of the biggest freaking corporations in the world just because they had passed over my name through yeah. the sport of rodeo. And I mean, it's, it's opened a lot of doors and, you know, I'm real thankful for, for what I'm doing now. And I mean, it's, it's a job. I, I like it. There's days when I don't like it. There's days when I didn't like rodeo. Right. But it provides a decent living for me and I enjoy it. I get to meet new faces and, and travel just a little bit. But man, things are great for me. I, w I wouldn't change a thing. Well, going back to what you said about just hanging on and, and we've seen it in our careers. We've seen those greats that just want to get back there. That was something that always scared me. It didn't scare me. I don't know the right word for it, but I didn't want to be that guy that was so successful and then you're just still there and and you're seeing me make runs and, and kids that looked up to you and idolized you like, oh my, why is he still doing this? I didn't want that to be where I was at in my career if I was still competing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I feel that I felt the same way at the time, but because, you know, I mean, deep down inside, we absolutely know. And I mean, I wrote that I think Redding, California or Red Bluff in 18 and made a really good run on my second. I think I won second around out there in 2018. And, you know, everybody's like, man, you ought to be doing it. And I'd made a deal with Casey Buto and he bought a bunch of horses and a big rig and this, that, and the other. And, then a few days later, I got hurt at Clovis. And after I got hurt and they wanted to fuse my neck, I said, this is this is the beginning of the end. And I mean, it was really starting to set in. I mean, I was roping good and didn't have no money one. So I was having to travel to get have a chance to get into some rodeos, right? Because I hadn't done it since about 2014, right? And so, I mean, I was on cloud nine and then got jerked off my horse over there at Clovis on, on a calf that probably should have won something on and man I, they were talking about fusing my neck and I put it all down right then when I went to come home and went to the doctors and I got three different opinions and they said if we put a rod in your neck you may never ride another horse and so right. I just quit 
And the very next year, I got an invite to Houston. So, but I hadn't wrote from hell from Clovis up until about September. And I picked up a rope and started swinging it again. And I thought, you know what? One last hurrah. And lo and behold, they invited me to Houston. And I made won my group. And I made it out of that group. And then to the next deal, and hell, I was in the, the semifinals and missed making it by four tenths. And I said, this is my farewell song right here. I'm done. I said, there, there's no need to keep prolonging inevitable because a real good friend of mine that played basketball for a long time. And I mean, a lot of people say it, father times is undefeated, no matter how good you are. That, that's the truth. And you and even though your heart and your mind are telling you, your body's the one going, listen here, bud, we ain't, we ain't gonna be able to do this much longer. Yeah, it's done. And uh, <clears throat> hell, I, I, your heart's probably as big or bigger than mine when it comes to the competitive side of it. And there's been other guys that just the same way, but I mean, it comes a time when you just, you're a step off and, and you know where you want to be, but the body just don't let you get there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like I was throwing some tears down and I, and I told myself, I, you know, when I I'm done, I'm done. Well, Cade's starting to shoot dog. So, you know, kind of getting back into it. Now he's wanting to jump steers. And and uh, so I there were some steers, and I threw one down. I'm like, damn, that felt pretty good. I could do this again. I'm like, walk back to the chute limping back to the yeah. chute. And I'm like, no, eh, no, I think I'm done. But, you know, it, it, getting to be able to go home give you an opportunity to, you know, the girls. They're you know, not much to do with rodeo, but out of the out of the house now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, Savannah just graduated from DBU uh, this past December. She's got a bachelor's in business, and she's actually going to school to get uh, a real estate license now. And she's had a few job offers. Uh, she hadn't accepted one yet, and she's living in Dallas. So she stayed up there after college. And, I mean, I, I, I'm good with it. I don't particularly care for Dallas just because it's so busy. But she's got her own place up there and got her little boyfriend, and things seem to be going pretty good. And Sydney's going to school at Liberty. She got red-shirted last year, so hopefully she'll get to play some this year. And uh, I think she's due home here around the eighth. But she left in July, and she's only she only came back for Christmas. They had volleyball tournament during Thanksgiving last year, so she's only been home twice since she went off to school. And uh, man, she's grown up a lot, though. You know, her mom was was they were really close, and I'm close to Sydney. I'm close to both my girls, actually. But they were really close, and she needed to get away for a little while just to, to kind of grow up and, mm-hmm. and learn that mom's not always going to be there, not, not always going to wait on your hand and foot. <laughs> well, through the joy of social media, getting to kind of watch your girls grow up and really athletic in the, the volleyball, playing the, you know, volleyball, which I don't know anything about that sport. It was all rodeo and in, in baseball with the boys, but... Man, that's some intense stuff right there. Like, they're getting after it. It really honestly is. And, and I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I didn't learn the game for as long as my girls played it. I, I would just go and sit up there, and you know how old competitive dad is. If <laughs> and, 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 and here's another thing, too, Luke. You'll know this. We were always individual competitors. You know what I mean? And it, it's hard to bring a guy in that controlled his own destiny his whole life, made his schedule. You know, we probably had people enter us from time to time or do this, do that. But, man, once you get involved in team sports, it's it's uh, 
it's a different deal, you know, and, and we as parents, we always think that our kid's the best kid on the floor all the time, no matter what the circumstances is. And and my girls are different. You know, one's more like her mom and one's like me, kind of fiery and will get in your face and let you know a few things. And I would I would get caught up in the game way too much and get way too upset because here again, I hated to lose. Right. And that's what made me such a great winner, in my personal opinion, because I absolutely hate to lose. Whether we're rolling marbles, whether <laughs> we're fishing, it, it just doesn't doesn't matter. I mean, I'm competitive at everything. And here in about the last five years, I've played golf quite a bit, right? I suck at it. <laughs> I, I'm worse than Charles Barkley. I'm not bad. But I got a set of clubs. I dress the part. I'm freaking go and play all the time with my buddies. And hell, that's one of the number one things we do at this company. We just had a big tournament a couple of weeks ago down there, just right, I guess it'd be south of the Reliant. Okay. Over there at that course. And so I went and played and actually done pretty good towards the end of the day, but the beers were flowing and things <laughs> were starting to come together pretty good. And then the tournament's over, you know. Uh, well, if you'd have took a little time when you rodeo and played golf, you might have been able to pick it up a little faster. Uh, golf wasn't paying me nothing. That's exactly right. Well, golf wasn't paying me nothing. So I was making a living roping and that's what I focused on. Well, what you said is, you know, one daughter is more like you, one's more like your wife. But what I love about Fred Whitfield is when I call you on the phone, there's no bullshit. It is, you tell it how it is. And it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Rodeo, uh, contestants, uh, life, it doesn't matter. And that is something at when I first started rodeo and I always admired about you because that's how it is. That was Fred Whitfield. You're going to get what you, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've always tried to be me. I've never hid behind the fact that of where I come from, what I had to go through, none of that stuff. And, you know, I learned at a young age that, that a guy's word was pretty much all he was worth in the real world. And, and so, I mean, if it's black, it's black. If it's white, it's white. I'm just going to call it the way I see it. And I mean, you know, a lot of people didn't like it along the way, but I mean, I was always honest. I mean, never really deliberately screwed anybody over in the world of rodeo. And so uh, that's just one of the things that I learned early on because, I mean, you know, help, you, you've read my story and been around me enough to know that uh, come from a broken home, all the things that really wasn't supposed to succeed. And, and throughout my life, I, you know, I had a lot of people help me along the way to succeed in a sport that not very many African-Americans competed in. And so uh, if I told somebody I was going to do something, then by God, I did it. And, you know, getting started, I had some people that owned a company. And I mean, hell, I work for the company today. I had an open checkbook with them, Luke. Mm. And they said, hey, you go rope and worry about winning. Let us worry about how much money you're spending. And, and so that was the main reason. And Roy and I are still best of friends today, and we've been friends for close to 50 years now. Well, that's what I asked you. Roy, Roy kind of got you going, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I work for Moffitt Services now, which there's three owners because they sold it a few times, bought it back, got it here and there. But I bet we got uh, – we're at close to about 180, 190 employees now. Wow. And, and we do business all over the world. We're not – we, we don't say we're nationwide, but we go anywhere. And so I'm in outside sales and a lot of people don't know this, but when I very first started over there, hell, I started driving a truck. 
And so, I mean, I was riding horses, doing this, doing that, just all kind of crazy shit to kind of, you know, make ends meet. And I had a little bit of money saved up that that I'd put in a retirement account, which not a lot of us do. You know, we live paycheck to paycheck and here to there. And so I had a little bit of cushion. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I got to find something else to do. I said, the roping deal is not going to work out. I mean, I was riding outside horses. That's a lot of work. I got a couple over there now that I play with. But long story short, I went to Roy and I said, hey, man, I need a job. You know, I want some some insurance and some financial security. And he said, well, man, I, I uh, he said, I ain't got a lot open right now. He said, but why don't you uh, start pulling a little Thunder Creek? And it's a little fuel cell you hook behind your truck and you just go around from customer to customer. You may unload 10 gallons over here and 200 over there, and it held about 900. And so I'd done that for about six months, and then we had a big storm in Louisiana. So I took off over there, and I stayed for almost three months, and I made quite a bit of money, Just, but I'd work seven freaking days a week. And I got home, and so we sat down, and we were talking, and he said, man, he said, there ain't no real future in this in that driving that little Thunder Creek deal. And I said, no, nah, probably not. He said, well, why don't you try sales? And I said, nah, hell, I won't be no good at sales. I I don't like dealing with people that much, really. <laughs> and so uh, he put me with one of his best sales reps, man. And I traveled around with him for a couple of months. And then I started venturing out to West Texas. And I mean, that's when things really picked up. And I got got to do some business with XTO, which is Exxon, and then I picked up High Crush, and we're rolling right along, and I'm talking about I'm selling fuel like hand over fist. I mean, it was almost like shooting fish in a barrel, which which is a bad analogy. <laughs> and so it, it was actually coming too easy, and then all of a sudden the, the pandemic hit, and so I had to bring my butt back home. And, and I didn't really have a client list here. So I was starting all over because, man, I, I started getting phone calls and this company's stopping drilling and this company's shutting down and this company's going here. And I was like, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? He said, well, he said one good thing about it is the more you can do around here, the less likely we are to get rid of you. He said, so I said, shit, I'll drive a Thunder Creek. I'll do whatever. It don't matter to me. And so I did that sparingly, but I mean, the sales is picked back up. So, I mean, everything's good, man. I, we, we've been so freaking busy and I haven't traveled. I went to George West probably two weeks ago is the first time I've been out of Houston in probably a year. Oh, wow. Soliciting customers. And I mean, hell, I get a lot off LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Right. Now people call me every freaking day. As bad as I hate it, that's why I had these glasses on, Luke. I never used to have to wear these suckers till I start sitting looking at this computer and tapping right. on this keyboard all the time. <laughs> In my eyes, man, it's it's terrible, dude. And you know, I didn't grow up in this computer world, so I'm a little bit behind there too. Catania Brothers Extra Thin Cut Beef Jerky is a nutritious snack to staying fueled while you're out on the road. It's easy to eat and comes in a variety of meat-forward satisfying flavors, including original, black pepper, hot pepper, mesquite, which all have no sugar, plus their teriyaki flavor. 
Each small batch meat snack is packed with 15 grams of protein per serving and is made from solid strips of premium beef sourced exclusively from the USA. The jerky is dried low and slow on steel rods in hot brick ovens, marinated in apple cider vinegar and seasoned with spices, hand mixed daily. Visit www.catanobrothers.com and use code LUKE15 for 15% off your next order. Make sure and follow them at Catanio Brothers on social media. Hey, listen to me. I'm I'm in the same boat. I got a microphone. I don't even know if it's working. It's plugged in. The keyboard in front of me. My kids are way better at this than than I am. Uh, that's for damn sure. Because, like you said, we I and I I wasn't at this stage of rodeo, but I can remember Santa Maria, California, when I was a kid. The payphone booths yeah. where guys could ride up on the horse and and you know dial up to call Procom to enter. And you may be on hold. You may be sitting there for a half hour or longer. Hey, I'm going to tell you this, and because it needs to be said, we blew a truck up one time trying to get to the freaking phone booth to enter a rodeo. To get entered. You, you'd never guess who was driving when it happened. Who you got? Cody Old. <laughs> That's a good, I'm going to have to write that down and ask you about that one. We, we had a few minutes left before the books closed, and I think we had left Calgary, and we were somewhere over there around... Uh, Oh, hell, somewhere in Montana on one of them hills, man. And I'm talking about he burnt frigging transmission up in my truck going down one of them hills going too fast. He said, man, we're going to miss the books. I said, hell, we just missed them for sure now. Yeah, no shit. Outside the road. I said, we're done. We we didn't have no no cell phones, man, back, you know, uh, mid-90s. And, and, and when we did get one, it was a bag phone that we had plugged in. You had to have it plugged into the cigarette lighter. Yeah. And we're sitting up there trying to rope and the horns out there honking on the truck because somebody's calling. It was the craziest shit. Uh, you know, these, the, the, well, I don't know if I want to say that, but the modern day guys got it a lot easier than we did. I, I'll just say, especially when I started. How about booking plane tickets? They could do it in two seconds on their phone. Yeah. Yeah, this little gadget right here, it's, uh, it's pretty special, but also all the, all the the apps and this and the instagrams and that it's it's uh a lot of good come from it but there's damn sure a lot of evil there you dang right there that's couldn't said it any better but so let's talk a little bit about rodeo you know i like i said i watch a little bit i don't watch as much i think it's it's gotten better as far as the payoff goes I don't know how much. I know that 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 people think a lot of things have changed, but the basic things about rodeo is still the same. For sure. I mean, the barrel pattern is still the same. As far as my event goes, a lot of guys can rope. If we change the obstacle a little bit, give the calf back an advantage, a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's just <laughs> the truth. No, you're right. I mean, I would put my top 10 up against the top 10 today. Oh, for sure. Under our circumstances. Guarantee, and, and it wouldn't even be a competition. Well, we'd fare pretty good, in yeah. my opinion. And, and you know, the, the thing of it is, like, I don't go on a lot of podcasts and do all that stuff, simply because what you said earlier, I'm gonna tell the truth. Yeah. If you ask me about a guy, and I mean, I've seen him, I'm gonna tell you what I think. And the youngsters tend to get their feelings hurt when you tell the truth. You say wear them right there. Yeah. 
and 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 that's the whole deal for me. So that's why I'm not as as involved as I probably. I'm not going to say I'd like to be, but I mean, do I miss the sport? Of course I missed it. Hell, I done it for my half of my adult life. I would not be being honest with you if I told you I didn't miss it. I, I think that the horsemanship today isn't as good as it was back when I rodeoed. I mean, not to pinpoint anybody out, but. Do you feel though, and, and this is a question that I hear a lot, or a comment I hear a lot. Do you feel like it's because the start, the size of the calves, they could just, I mean, it's just like they're going a thousand miles an hour and, and throw all caution to the wind. They don't have to help set their horse up in that run. Well, yeah, there, there's no obstacles now. Right. You know what I mean? There, there's very few variables. But but the thing of it is now, when you draw bad, you're not winning nothing. Right. Yeah, that's obvious. And I mean, it's always been that way. But back when I wrote, I mean, I could take a bad calf and win something on it. If you draw bad today, you're pretty much eliminated. I'll give you that. But also, the the jerk down rule has a little bit to do with that. For because sure. I'm, I made them all good. It doesn't. It didn't matter to me how bad one was. And and I mean, a lot of guys they always wanted to draw after me because they <laughs> knew what Fred was going to do to one. Yeah. If, if he was bad, then he was going to be better the next time. You break an but egg. I, in but, but I've also brought some calves back to the short round that eliminated some guys along the way too. So I mean, it it, it works both ways. I, I like the fact that that rodeo's starting to pay. I'm not even going to say what it should. Right, because yeah. it's still not there yet. You know what I mean? For but sure. also with that, it, it it comes a responsibility for the guys to protect and preserve what's been done prior to them. Okay, so so roping hadn't changed as much as everybody makes it out to be, and the breakaway bills helped a lot. Yeah, and you know back when I was qualifying for the finals all those years, I think I went twenty times. Uh, there was very few times that you had to give triple what a ticket cost in Las Vegas. I called out there last year trying to find some tickets for some friends of mine and people were wanting crazy amount. I didn't go. They were wanting crazy amounts of money. I think that that generates from everything that they got going out there. You know, there's there's so many kid ropings and yeah, yeah. team ropings and now and stuff. And so I'll say this. It's probably going to piss some people off, but it needs to be said. Okay. They don't have a junior Super Bowl with the Super Bowl, do they? No, you're right. So it needs to be focused more on the contestants than the outside world. That's just my opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Some people will like it. Some people will, will crush me. Do you think for that, take that event somewhere else? Because I will say this, watching the junior NFR it has helped raise the bar for these kids. But you're saying focus on the NFR and take that event somewhere else. Is that what you're thinking? That's exactly what I'm thinking. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, they the and the Super Bowl is only one day. Right. The World Series is a, a, a set of games. You know what I mean? But I, I, I just think that that, that week, and, and the flip side of that is they got a team roping out there, bro, that pays more than what you can win at the finals. <laughs> you, you are spot I mean, on right we're, there. We're, we're telling the truth here. We're not sugar-toting shit. We're talking about the real world. And, I mean, I, that would make me scratch my head. Yeah, you damn right. Thinking of <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I just uh, – but I got to be careful because, I mean, I'm going to Vegas here in a couple of weeks. I don't need no hit out on me. That happened once. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, but you had to take a couple bodyguards out to the finals one year with oh, you. Hell yeah, I had to have bodyguards because I guess I, the wrong person got the yapping and got slapped, and so he didn't really care for it. But I mean, that's that's just part of it. And you know, I've always had a good time in Vegas. I still got relationships out there to this day. And you know, the one thing that I will say, Luke, that that I that I still cherish from from all my time of rodeoing. Like I've got friends in Canada, friends in Wyoming, uh, Hermiston, Oregon, some of my very best friends. And his kid comes down here, stays with me from time to time, Curtis and Judy Peterson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the relationships that I've built over the years. I don't talk to a lot of guys that rope these days. You know, Cade and I were pretty good friends. Cade swore. I talked to Joe Beaver's sorry ass every once in a while. I mean, you, you can't avoid that. And so, but as far as, you know, I haven't talked to Brent Lewis in a long time. I talked to Strand a while back. Trent Walls, he calls me from time to time. It, it's it's a little different, but, I mean, we all grow old and grow apart, you know, once That's the guy's it. not not 100% into to what he's done for a living the whole time. And uh, most of them got families and got kids. Our kids are about the same age, and so – I actually run into uh, Kingsbury not too long ago. Charlie? Yes, I was in freaking Hawaii. He wasn't there, but I run into a really good friend of his while we were over there. So my wife and I, we went to Hawaii a little over a month ago. We went to uh, Maui and spent about seven days there. And that was my first real vacation from all the years. She'd been on three or four while I was rodeoing it, you know, in, in uh, I guess, 20... When was it? Wasn't 17. Hell, it had to be 07 when I got hurt to finals in 06. And we had had a vacation plan. And so in 07, I, they invited me to Calgary after all those surgeries. And I'd set out, hadn't rodeoed since December. And I told uh, I told Tandy and Dr. Dawson that I said, I'm going to be back there in Calgary. And they said, there ain't no way. Hell, I had C3 and 4 vertebrae surgery and then labrum and rotator cuff surgery from a roping accident prior to those six finals. And so Dr. Dawson, he said, hell, there ain't no way. And I said, oh yeah, I'm gonna be back at Calgary. I promise you that. And so I worked my tail off and we had that vacation plan right freaking during Calgary. <laughs> Cause I didn't think I was gonna get to go. And man, I started getting ready and bought a new horse. And I told Cassie, I said, shit, I'm gonna go to Calgary. I feel pretty good. I, I wasn't even, re- even ready to rope yet. I went to Reno, friggin' horse, just give 50000 for him. Somebody circled me out there in the arena. I called. I was sick, too. You hear me? <laughs> I give all that money for this pretty son. And I roped one right there. And the guy says, oh, man, I forgot to tell you, you got to plug her ears during the perf. Oh, thanks. I'm like, are you flipping kidding me? So anyway, I go up there to Calgary, and I got one of my old horses with me, and I ride Gator up there. Hell, I went 118,000. I was going to say, you win, You end up winning second. Did you win second that year? No, I no, won it. First, all, right. four, all four of them guys screwed up. Trevor, uh, Blair, and Hunter Heron. They all screwed up. And so I was the only one with the time. I was the first guy. I was come back fourth with seven flat and won it. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the fence, and I'm telling Cassie the whole time, you know, I'm watching them go out one by one after I rope right there at the bucking shoots. <laughs> And I said, oh, shit, I just won Calgary. They're screaming and hollering. So my dumb ass, if I would have just took that money and went home, I'd have been fine. 
but I'm rodeoing, rodeoing. I'm talking about plane, trains, automobiles, everywhere. I spent 35000 of that oh, money. Shit. I tracked it. No, I spent 35000 trying to make the finals, and I missed it by 11 or 12. And I started rodeoing in June. And that and that was when Calgary money don't count. If that, well, I mean, obviously, if that money counts or half of it or whatever. Calgary didn't count. So, and, and that was probably the first year. That, that I was a little bit disappointed because I knew that my ability, if I was, I wasn't a hundred percent right. You know, there, there was just no way. I mean, I, I gutted it out and hell, I was driving across the country and horses wasn't working, kind of give up. And then I just started flying, doing stupid shit like we do. And so it's, would I change anything about my rodeo career? Probably not. You know, the one thing that I wanted to do that I never done I wanted to ride a horse that I trained at the national finals. That's that's the only thing that I didn't accomplish that I really wanted to. Never really had a horse of the year. I think I won third was the best I ever done. Had oh, horse of the year. Yeah, I had some great horses, but just never could pull it off. Okay, so back the horse of the year deal, it gets so damn political. You could Yeah, it. it's worse now. And yeah. it was back then, but it wasn't as magnified as it is today. I I can remember guys calling me and asking me to vote for their horse, and I'd just say, hey, dude, if he deserves to win it, he'll win it. I never call and ask nobody to vote for me. And and honestly, I never mounted a lot of guys. I mounted Herbert a little bit, Jim Bob Mays, uh, Blair before we become enemies, you know, Cody. Cody wrote good, but he, he didn't get along with any of my horses. Joe probably wrote a few. Roy wrote a couple. I mean, it, it, it's uh, – I, I just never was just, hey, hop on and go. Right. But I would trade mounts with, with a few guys if they had a you know a decent horse that I could ride down the way. You bring Cody up, and, I mean, for me as a young kid before I started rodeoing to when I got to compete in these same arenas, you guys, I mean, there was always a – I mean, it was a battle between yeah. you and Cody. Both amazing competitors, same goals, mine, you know, go out there and win first, but – what was it that drove you guys to that competitiveness between each other? Well, he got around me. Uh, I mean, hell, everybody knew who Cody was, but he, he called me up one day, and I, I think it was his rookie year. You know, he's going for the rookie, and I hadn't been around Cody much. I knew his dad a little bit and stuff, and so he got to coming over there at Hockley roping with me. And a, a good friend of mine, I'll say this too, and it's the truth, a good friend of mine come to me, and he told me, he said, don't mess with that guy. And I said, why? He said, he's the only threat there will ever be to you right now. Don't mess with him. And I said, I'm not scared of him. Are you kidding me? And I probably should have listened. (laughs) (laughs) Simply because, how many buckles he got? Five in the calf roping? Five in the calf roping, yeah. He used to say I might have had two or three of them if I wouldn't have helped him. (laughs) But, but I wasn't scared of him. And so Cody Cody was just a fierce competitor, man. And did he have all that prior to, to coming around me? Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, he, he, he just wanted to compete. And, see, we kind of had we had bad attitudes, honestly, towards competition. And, you know, a lot of people don't touch on that. But uh, for me, if we were rodeoing together, you were part of the crew. Damn right? It. But if you were an outsider, there was a little bit of envy and I mean, I don't want to use the word hate because it's just not the right word. But I mean, it was like, I'm going to kick your ass, dude. 
Yeah. That's the only way it's going to be. So nowadays, like when I have a school, I mean, it's hard. A lot of people want to say that you're born with killer instinct. Not everybody's born with killer instinct. There's a few people that you can instill it in them. But you need to be around them for a while and they need to learn your mannerisms and all the stuff that you do. And and that little chip right there, it it sets you apart from the competition, believe it or not. And um, however you choose to do it. And I mean, I never really set out to belittle anybody. But in, in my prime, I was vicious, dude. And I mean, there was times that I wasn't nice about roping because I knew the outcome before it ever was going to happen. Well, and I got to see that. I could dictate when I won and when I didn't win. Right. I mean, it was it it was crazy now that I look back on it. But like I said, I was just so consumed with being the best that I could be and just worked at it every single day. Dude, I would go and tie down 40 head of fresh ones by myself. I would just get out there time to a tree and I mean if I had to run them by me and rope them and then tie them all they were getting tied by me by myself well and you've proved that <laughs> but the other thing you proved was being a black tie down roper but that's one of the things that fueled me too the, the, the more that they jacked with me the more that I wanted to just kick the shit out of them roping and I said you know what I got in here there's what 2% I think two to three percent when I started, and I mean it's 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 there's a lot now. There's several guys that bulldog, several guys that rope. Hell, Corey's been to the finals now eight or nine times. Shad, uh, I guess John Douch, Bud Ford, King Pickett. There there's a bunch of guys on the trail. Hell, uh, what's the other kid's name that's right outside the top fifteen? Richard Newton, and so. I mean, their parents helped them. I didn't rope with very many of them. I roped with Corey a little, helped Shad a little bit his rookie year. King Pickett roped around me when he was real, real young. Hell, Richard Newton rode a horse of mine for a couple months there back a few years ago. But as far as me being directly involved with their roping careers, it's all fantasy, man. And Corey lived right down the road from me. You know what I mean? I don't know that it's, I mean, from the outside looking in, I don't know if it's all fantasy, because those kids grew up watching Fred Whitfield. Oh, no doubt. And in the success that I was having, yeah. I was going to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. And am I directly the reason why they're there? Dude, you got a dream and you got to chase your dreams. You know what I mean? You, you, you can't wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to be a world champion. That shit, it don't happen like that. There's just no way. I mean, because I worked at it day in, day out. And, and I tell people all the time, I make videos every morning. I get up, I was up this morning at four o'clock, okay? I go over there to that barn, I saddle three horses. If I rope on, on one or two of them, it, it just depends on how the morning's going. But if I've got stuff lined up early, I'll get up, go over there, ride them. And I make videos every morning. And some of the kids that I help, I send them to them at about seven o'clock. I'll say, hey, you know what? It's 6.30 in the morning, got three horses saddled, headed out to the arena. Why in the world would somebody at my age do that? That's crazy. And, and, and the problem that I have with that, Luke, is is if I'm doing it at my age and I'm not competing, okay? Right. If I set up lessons with you, okay, and you say, hey, Fred, I'm going to be there at 7 o'clock. At 7.15 or 7.20, if I haven't heard from you, I'll tie them some bitches in the stall 
and I'll get in my truck and leave on purpose. It's just disrespectful, and it happens a lot more now than you, than you can ever imagine. But the fact that I'm there and you're not there, I've won my eight world championships, and you're trying to go down a road that I travel for a long time. You need to have your ass there when I get there. If you're not there when I get there, yeah, or before, and, and, and that's the only thing. Like uh, for me, I think I want it a lot more than some of the people that I help. And I mean, that's a fault of mine right? because you can't make people want it. It's either you want it or you don't. It's that simple. What you wanted and what you've earned and what you've achieved is for me as, as one, a kid watching you and then being able to compete in the same arena as you and watching how you won those. Um, I, I th- I've really felt like it helped build me to who I am and some of the success I had just watching watching that from you so fred i I appreciate you one coming on the show i appreciate you as being a friend and i appreciate your honesty because that's one thing this world lacks so fred thanks for coming on yes sir hey good to talk to you man good luck in the future appreciate it yes sir